Lifestyle choices and environmental factors impact your brain health and the physiology and psychology of your mental health. When you're ready to turn your brain on to get your game on, listen to In Your Head Radio. Now here's your host, Lee Richardson. So thanks for joining us today. Today we've got a really interesting show. I've got Ella Majors, and she's the world's leading voice for revolutionary transformation in the wellness industry. Ella is the founder of 22 Reboot, a 22-day holistic transformation system that distills all of her knowledge and expertise into a simple, sustainable lifestyle shift. Ella offers the world's leading entrepreneurs and thought leaders the tools, the support, and the guidance they need to ultimately develop holistically healthy habits, claim optimal wellness, which we all can, and live longer, more fulfilling lives. Ella is the founder of Sexy Fit Vegan. She's a speaker, an author, a podcast host, and a coach. Ella, thanks for being with me today. Thanks so much for having me, Lee. I'm happy to be here. Well, you know, it's so interesting because I've looked around on your website and we've talked a little bit. And, you know, obviously this is your passion. This represents what you're all about. So there's got to be a good story there. It had to start (laughs) with something. It did, and it started a long, long time ago, if we can take it way, way back, um, when I was seven years old. And the story goes, I, I got in the car after school one day. My mom had picked me up and was taking me to gymnastics practice. I've been, been into sports since I was five years old. And she asked me how my day was, and I told her, well, we had learned about this uh guy named Daniel Boone. And for anyone who might not know who Daniel Boone is, he's one of our first American folk heroes. And he, you know, wore an infamous raccoon hat and he carried around a shotgun and and he was this wilderness hero. And I I said to my mom, I said, well, this guy was not a hero. He was really mean. He shot animals and he ate them. And my mom was really honest with me. And she said, well, you know, Ella, we're just very fortunate. We get to go to the grocery store and that's where we buy our meat today. So we don't have to to do that ourselves anymore. And it was really at that moment when I connected the food on my plate with the animal that it was. And there is something very deep down within me that said that that's not okay with me. And I told her, I was like, well, I'm not going to do that anymore. And and that was it. I never ate meat again. So that's where it all started. So how'd your mom react to that? Yeah, she thought it was a phase. Uh, so I, you know, since, <laughs> since I don't know how long, um, you know, kids go through these phases. And so she thought it was one of those. And I ate the, uh, the side items on the, on the table. And, you know, I, I really have so much gratitude uh, for my parents who, I've always been a really independent uh, person since I was just a little kid. So my mom would tell stories about me being two years old, insisting on putting on my own diaper, you know? So I've always had a very strong kind of mindset. And um, soon enough, she realized that this wasn't a phase because I started writing about it in school. So I, she kept some of the, uh, the papers I wrote, even in, you know, the fifth grade, and I'm writing about how I don't understand why are we eating animals? Because there's so many other things that we can eat. Why, why would we need to eat animals? So I really had the whole logical, you know, everything laid out in my mind as to why it just doesn't make sense. And so eventually she, 
60s, they got on board. My dad had been a vegetarian in the past. He's kind of a, an old hippie. And he eventually um, ended up quitting the animal products himself. My little sister then followed suit. And by the time I was 15, I really had done, done the digging and the research. And I became totally vegan at 15 years old. Um, and then my, yeah, my family kind of followed suit later in life. My mom had, was not eating a lot of meat, but, um, still ate some, then she got colon cancer. So now she's been vegan herself for, I, I don't know, 20 years or so. And, um, so yeah, it kind of, it spiraled into my family. My cousin's vegan now, my sister and her husband and their three kids. And, uh, so we've got, we've got a bit of a vegan family. And when I was 15, I, I really was into the, um, being, being very outspoken. I was in uh, middle school and high school passing out buttons about boycotting different companies who tested on animals. And I was sitting in cages. I was like, I very, very passionate, um, about animals and just, believing that we're all kind of one and, and that compassion has always been a very uh, deep-seated value of mine. And that's really why I do everything I do. That's the foundation for it. Well, you know, it's interesting how things have changed over time because, you know, one of my kids didn't want to eat meat. And mm. I'm like, okay, you know, you don't have to eat meat, but how much peanut butter can you eat? How much yogurt can, you know, can you eat? But today we have with what's come out with plant-based products. Oh my gosh. I had a quiche last night that one of my son's husband made for me and it was leeks and Gouda cheese and this beyond sausage. And it was one of the best things I've ever eaten. It's amazing how far we've come. And that comes with it. It's own challenges too, Lee, which is, interesting because when I you know this was I'm 42 now this was 1995 when I was went vegan and you basically had to become a whole food plant-based vegan you couldn't have any of the processed foods because when they started coming out at the beginning they were oof, it was not pretty <laughs> that first vegan cheese let me tell you it was basically <laughs> inedible so I was kind of forced into the whole food plant-based lifestyle now I celebrate all the different foods and the beyond, and there's so many um, ways to make it very easy to transition. Um, at the same time, you know, looking into being more of the whole foods based, uh, it, that can be more challenging because there is more processed food. So there's uh, definitely a give and a take, but I am absolutely all for all the products out there that are going to help people uh, make that transition who are, are ready to move in that direction, even if it's, you know, meatless Mondays or Veganuary or, you know, everybody can go at their own pace and do it their own way. Uh, but I, I do, you know, the demand is out there now. So that's exciting. And I do encourage our listeners to try it because I remember the first gluten-free bread that I ate. Oh, I thought I, I didn't think I was going to be able to swallow it. And yeah. what's out there today is amazing. It's delicious. It's so so for all of you listeners that are out there, take a walk on the wild side. You know, yeah. try, try some of those different products. But I know for you, nutrition is a big part of everything that you do. And talking, you know, you started 22 Reboot. And what I like, it's 22 days. That's That's three weeks. And within three weeks, you will give people what they need for a holistic transformation. At, wow. 
when I think that I could accomplish a major change in three weeks, sign me up. (laughs) Yeah. So that's why I wanted to do a relatively short period of time. I wanted it to be doable and it's very structured. Um, So there's a daily video and we really work from the root. And and so it's not just about the actual habit that we're working on uh, building here. It's also about the mindset behind those habits. And I've been into sports, like I said, since I was five, I uh, jumped out of college and went right into the fitness industry. I was a personal trainer for over a decade. Uh, I competed and, and won uh, bikini and uh, figure competition, um, all on plants. So this this program is not uh, not just about the nutrition, but nutrition is a big piece of it. And I kind of treat it as a bit of a detox, right? Because part of the, the problem is the addictions that we have to different foods and different ingredients. Uh, sugar is a big one. Uh, animal products, particularly dairy, that, uh, that target dopamine receptors. Like there's just so many foods that we are not only habitually eating, but actually addicted to. Uh, so I'm, I, I like kind of treating it as a bit of a detox, if that makes sense. Oh, it makes total sense because if you wonder why you can't put that bag of chips down or why you can't walk away from that box of cookies, there's a reason. That food, that food is designed to become addictive and it certainly, certainly does work. I mean, why is a fried chicken sandwich so much better than a grilled chicken sandwich? Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. So let's let's talk a little bit about you know you've done a lot of different things you've competed you've trained you've coached you've even got a couple of books out there don't you some some ebooks yes I've got some ebooks I've also got a a uh, hard book uh, out is that's a physical book out um, as well that was came out in 2015 with over a hundred uh, easy recipes for busy people who are looking to be fit it's called the six weeks the sexy abs meal plan. Um, so yeah, we've got, I've got some writing and some books out there, all, all for busy people. I'm not one to spend a lot of time in the kitchen or get complicated with recipes. And so I know there are very few people out there that are are really looking to spend hours in the kitchen, right? So I'm kind of the master at 10 minute meals and making it really quick and easy and doable for even the busiest people. Well, you and I are on the same page. <laughs> I love a 10-minute meal. So so share with our listeners, what's your favorite 10-minute meal? Okay. Well, well, there's so many. Oh my gosh, how do I how do I how do I even go there? But for me, I think one of the interesting things, I, I really am a fan of intuitive eating. So really kind of throwing out, you mentioned being a being a rebel and trying the plant-based options. Well, I love being a rebel and really figuring out what's right for us and our unique bodies and our lives. And so when we talk about breakfast food, for example, throwing out that idea that here's what breakfast is supposed to look like, right? It's either oatmeal or it's pancakes or waffles or, you know, these are breakfast foods. I really like the idea of throwing that out and saying, well, what can I eat in the morning that is going to give me energy, that's going to sit well on my stomach, do well with my digestion. And for me, what I've, for some people, that's a smoothie. I tried that. I did that for years. Um, I did the oatmeal route. And what I discovered in the last few years was just how much a salad, beans and greens, 
what that does for me in the morning, it's been like, it's been a game changer for me. And that sounds really, really strange, I think, to the average person of eating a salad for breakfast. Um, but if we can just throw out that these ideas of what society has told us we're supposed to eat and say, what's going to actually work for me? Get curious, start experimenting, seeing what actually gives us energy and works. Um, so for me, it's a salad. So I actually eat a salad with uh, some sort of green, uh, some sort of a bean. I love chickpeas. I kind of call myself a chickpea-holic. And tomatoes and avocado and sometimes some hearts of palm or some olives. Um, I do a little bit of olive oil and a little seasoning. And that's my breakfast every morning. And it gives Sounds me good. energy and it keeps me, it keeps me satisfied. Um, the other piece of that, Lee, that is really important, it's been a life changer for so many of my clients, is this piece of mindful eating, eating mindfully instead of eating distracted that means really sitting there and being present with our food with our meal to taste it to smell it to pay attention to it to chew it to chew it not just a few times and, and gulp it down and stuff the next bite in our mouth but to chew it thoroughly and it sounds kind of gross but chewing your food to a pace before swallowing that could be 20 even 30 chews uh, can make a huge difference in how in how that food works for us, how it nourishes us, how it fuels us, and how we feel while and after we're eating. Um, and so that's that's something that I, I really encourage. That's something that's a part of the 22 Reboot program. Uh, I know I suffered from a lot of bloating for many years after meals, um, gas, that sort of thing. That all went away when I started eating, practicing mindful eating. Uh, so that's just one one tip. And literally, if people take away from this this talk one thing and they start doing the mindful eating, I guarantee it's going to make a huge difference in their lives. Well, it makes so much sense. I mean, I can't tell you how many people that, you know, I've had clients say, oh, I don't even sit down to eat dinner. I'm in a hurry. I'll just stand up, you know, and and I get this vision and I've said this to them, are you shoveling it down? And the answer is, yeah, you know, and I'm like, oh, it, but it makes so much sense when you say, you know, turn that food into a paste, because I think about how much easier it would be for the organs in my body to utilize that food if, if it comes in in that format. Exactly. And also our digestion starts with our saliva. We have enzymes in our saliva. So utilizing those enzymes while we're chewing kind of that pre-digestive phase before we even swallow is hugely helpful um, to giving our bodies a little break and not having to work so hard to break that food down uh, once it gets into our, our stomach and our intestines. And you mentioned, Lee, also I, I, the busyness, right? The people who are saying, I'm too busy to sit down and eat. I'm it's always too busy, right? We're all too busy. And one thing that I I realized this year um, was just how addicted to doing and to being busy I was. And once I noticed it for myself, of course, it's I noticed it in, in so many people around me. And one thing that I chose to do and I, I've done a lot of work this year um, on burnout and, and healing from burnout uh, 
and now helping people prevent and heal from burnout uh, was give up the word busy altogether. I mean, our vocabulary is so important, right? And it, it really shapes our thoughts and shapes how we, our perspective and our view of the world and our, our environments. And if we, by giving up the word busy, saying, okay, I'm not going to say busy anymore. I'm going to need to replace that. Then we start to discover some blind spots start to discover where our priorities are because everything is a matter of priorities. Uh, so I've found that as, as another really powerful uh, kind of tip for, for self-discovery and starting to make some shifts that can make a huge difference in our lives. So instead of people saying, well, I'm busy or I'm so busy, I don't have any time, how could they reframe that? Yeah, this is the reframing is huge. Um, so one piece of that is we are always saying, I have to do this, right? I have to get up. I have to go to work. I have to pick up my kids from school. I have to, I have to, I have to. When the truth is that gives away our power. We don't have to do anything. Will there be consequences to not doing it? Of course. But what if we say, instead of I have to get up, I get to get up. I'm fortunate enough to get up. I'm choosing to get up. When we take that power back, so reframing any time we think I have to do something, uh, which is kind of the foundation of for being busy, to reframe that as I get to, I choose to, I'm glad to be able to, number one. Uh, and then when we're looking at the busyness, it's, it's I'm making this a priority to do this or I'm not making it a priority. I'm choosing something else to be a priority. So framing it, reframing it in terms of the priorities and what you're choosing to do and the gratitude behind that of I'm able to. Wow. Imagine if I wasn't able to do those things. Well, and I think if you can just start with owning what you do, with being able to say, well, I'm choosing to do this and I'm choosing not to do that. That's control. And once we feel more in control, most of us feel that most of us feel a little inner strength from that. A thousand percent that you nailed, you nailed it on the head. Lee. That's exactly what it's about. It's about taking our power back, not feeling powerless over our, our schedule, over our lives, being able to say, this is, this is what I'm choosing. I'm choosing this. That's my decision. And that gives me a lot of power in my life. Well, you know, and you, we've talked about your program and how it really does empower its people that go through the program. Is there any one good story that comes to mind? Because, you know, I've worked with a lot of people with depression and anxiety and ADHD, and I can think of, you know, people that really stand out. And it's honestly, it's not about how far they get. It's about where they started and where they ended up. Because to me, that transformation, that change is what's so important. It's not so important that you're number one now on the marketing team. Um, so does anything come to mind for you when you, when you think in terms of transformation and your clients? Yes, absolutely. We've had some people, and, and what we talk about is uh, losing weight as a side effect of the process that we go through. And I've worked with a lot of people with a lot of issues around eating, uh, food addictions, emotional eating, 
uh, where it's not really about, I don't know what to eat or what I should or should not eat to help me get this weight off and feel better and get my, you know, cholesterol and blood pressure under control. It's that I can't control myself around food. Uh, and so we work through those addictions. We work through the triggers. We work on disrupting harmful patterns and really helping people kind of take a look at the core beliefs that are keeping them stuck, what they're making their lives mean and how they're powerless. And I've uh, had one one lady who was um, really came to me feeling pretty hopeless about the whole thing. She had, had uh, suffered from eating disorders over her life. She had a lot of weight to lose. Um, and and she said, I'm going to just trust the process. And I'm going to, and I told her, but this is not, we're not, we're not focusing on the weight loss. The weight loss is going to happen. We're going to focus on, on you and how you're moving through the world. And I have a self-coaching system that the first step is becoming the observer and stepping back, kind of detaching from, you know, who you think you are, all these programs that were really hardwired into us when we were young, stepping back and approaching ourselves with curiosity and compassion. And when she started to do that, um, things started to shift. And I, I, I guided her through that. Um, before long, the weight did start falling off. And um, she lost almost 50 pounds. Um, wow. In a, in a, yeah, in a relative, relatively short period of time. But that's not the best part about it. It's that a year later, and we still stay in touch, she's kept that weight off and she's happier and more filled with joy. And, and it's not about always being happy, of course. Um, it's about one quote that I love. It's, it's not about feeling better. It's about getting better at feeling. And I like that. Yeah. That is so important. Um, embracing the full human experiencing, know that knowing that we've got to have the ups, we're going to have the downs. It's all part of this, this game we're calling life. And I know I've certainly been through the ringer many times in my life in so many different ways. And the lesson that keeps coming back is that, you know, everything does every, every tough situation, if you allow it to be there without judging it, without making it wrong, without um, trying to run and hide and distract, which is what we do when we emotionally eat. It's about allowing those things and saying, just because I have these thoughts and these feelings and just because this is tough doesn't mean it has to change right now. And I can, I can sit with it. I can be with it. And I'm something is, I'm going to learn something from it. And it's hard. It's so hard, um, but so important. Well, it is important because, you know, what I have found when people are finally done with something, you know, I'm done with it, Lee, I'm going to let it go. Then they want to hide it. They want to squish it down. Mm -hmm. And what I tell them is all you're doing is pushing that into your subconscious. And this is a true fact. Every, every second, our brain is capable of taking in 11 million bits of data. Research says that maybe 40 to 126 can go in the conscious level, but the rest goes into that subconscious. And so it's always there, you know, but we just try it when we, something, and it'll work its way up to the top. Oh, 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 can't think about that right now. We'll swat it right down. And guess what? It'll be back. <laughs> so yeah. 
coming to peace, you know, on that subconscious level. And you mentioned the word stuck. And I use that word a lot because a lot, and I'll ask people, do you ever feel like your brain is stuck? And, you know, a lot of times I'll get this adamant. Yeah. And somebody in my family said, you know, don't you think you ought to get a more technical word? And I said, no, because it resonates. It really (laughs) resonates with people. And when their brain is stuck, they don't have enough neuroplasticity and what they eat impacts neuroplasticity, how, how much they sleep. You know, a lot of that is, are things that we're in control of and we just aren't aware of it. So we've got about three minutes before we go to break. And you made one good point. You said, if, if anybody has one takeaway from the whole show, I want it to be, would you repeat that for us? Yes. The mindful eating piece. Being present, using your using eating food time, meal time as a as an opportunity to practice living in present moment awareness, chewing your food to a pace, smelling it, tasting it, eating undistracted. Um, that's key to our digestion, to our energy, to being able to build a healthy relationship with food in our body. The key to not overeating, to eating the right amount for ourselves. Uh, it's a game changer for you know, on so many levels. So how, I mean, are there any, a couple of quick tips that you give people and how do you, how do you get, cause you're on, you're talking about creating an ambience. Yes. And it can, it can be anywhere. Um, I really love to eat outside. If you have a, a balcony or if you're able to take a, take a little bit of a break and head outside being in nature, it's so much easier to be present but really just as long as you can put away your phone, put away your computer and smell, taste, go through the five senses. How does this food look? How does this taste? How does it feel in my mouth? Um, practice that uh, five sense, use it as like a five sense meditation and notice not just while you're eating, but after you're eating, how you feel and stop when you're 80% full because the other 20%, it'll, it'll be there. If we eat to a 100% full, then we're usually 120% full about 20 minutes later. You make a really good point on that because I've even noticed, you know, that it tastes so good. And then when I finally step in, I'm like, Oh, I'm so full. I need a walk. So, and that's self-awareness just being aware. And that ties into, you know, your whole thing about mindful eating. You've got to be present. You've got to be in the moment with it. And I think that's a great takeaway for me is, is to stop and just think, ask yourself, oh, you've eaten half, you know, half your dinner. Are you full? Because I've done that before. And the answer usually is, yeah, I am. I really am. So that's, that's a great takeaway. Yeah, that is, that's a great takeaway. And I think, you know, for people to hear you've competed, you've, you've very much are a performance person and that you've had to make changes in order to perform at the level you want to, because you know what I hear a lot of people say is, well, you know, I just, I just can't do it. It's not going to make any difference. You know, you think you can do it, Lee, but I just can't do it. And the good news is, Yes, you can, and everybody can. Stay with us. We're going to take a break, and we'll come back and learn some more. We'll be back after these messages. It's merging. 
you ever check under the bed for monsters when you were a kid? That's what one man from Zimbabwe should have done. When Guy Whittle retired for the evening at the Humani Lodge where he works, he had no clue that an eight-foot crocodile was sleeping under his bed. He got out of bed to eat breakfast and heard one of the housekeepers scream. What's a word for the fear of reptiles? Herpetophobia. Mr. Whittle said that he had previously been sitting on the edge of the bed with his bare feet dangling just centimeters away from the 300-pound croc. Maybe crocodile noses aren't that sensitive after all. What's another word for smelly feet? Podhobromadrosis. To use a term from Shakespeare, these two were strange bedfellows. It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're back. Now here's your host, Lee Richardson. So before break, we were talking a lot about mindful eating and how important it is to really be in the moment with what you're eating. And you know, there's a lot of people that have a really hard time with eating. One of the things I see in my office is the lifestyle choices, giving up that fried chicken on a Sunday afternoon and those mashed potatoes with gravy. They'll say, I cannot do it. So there are a lot of people that struggle with eating. Have you worked within that world? Oh, absolutely. That was has been one of my, my specialties. Um, I actually went back to school, got my master's degree in social work uh, later in my, my 20s, because even though I was really helping people on the physical level, I realized just how, uh, like I was saying before, I didn't want to just get before and after pictures and then have people go back to there before, you know, within an, a matter of a year, because we changed the physical, but not the mental and the emotional. Uh, so, and, and it's something I struggled with myself in my 20s. Uh, you know, my life has been very much about how can I fulfill my, my purpose? And for me, like I mentioned, I know that helping people eat more plants is basically my life's purpose uh, because I care about animals, even the animals that usually end up on plates. And so one of the things that happened in my life was that I put a lot of pressure on myself to be this living, shining example of what, you know, having the quote, perfect body. So out of, out of college, I, um, I got so ripped and I, I mean, I'm in great shape now, but I was rips and people would just come up to me especially women and say how did you get those that physique how did you get those muscles how are you so lean and it gave me this great opportunity to to talk to them about how I ate and I ate uh, all plants and the problem was that then I had this standard for myself of wanting to stay in basically competition shape year-round and the truth is most competitors are actually very unhealthy. Um, They usually wait cycle and that they get super duper lean and then they'll on their off time eat so much, you know, go the other direction, gain a bunch of weight and then have to lose it again. Well, I just stayed completely lean and in competition shape for years. Um, But in doing so, I developed some 
I never got uh, technically diagnosed with an eating disorder, but I I was disordered in my eating. I would binge at night sometimes, talk about peanut butter. You know, I had times where I'd eat a whole jar of peanut butter and then I would fast and, you know, count every macro and calorie. And it was a very stressful situation. And I didn't want to tell anybody because I said, well, if I tell people I have a problem, then, you know, they'll look at me and say, oh, well, it's because you're vegan or, you know, I thought they would make all sorts of judgments. And so it really separated me from people, even though it, it draw, 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 it, it had the tendency to draw people in. But then I didn't really connect with people because I was busy trying to be perfect. And I remember letting go of that when, when I finally, finally did the work to, uh, to let go of that shame. It was some, one of the most powerful moments of my, my life to be able to let go of that and share that and, and start to help other people in a much more effective way. That's, that's amazing. Can you share with our listeners what that journey was like? Yes. Uh, so I had started to learn some self-coaching techniques, like I say, how I help people, starting to uh, learn to become the observer of my, my thoughts. I learned that I really must lack a lot of self-love uh, and start to explore that. I started to get to, to spread my compassion. And usually people you know, start with getting compassionate for their inner circle and then spread it outwards. I really had this compassion for all of, of animals and people as a social work major and, and doing a lot of volunteering in the humanitarian kind of department. Um, I had to kind of reel that in and realize that I wasn't showing myself that compassion as well, um, that unconditional love saying it's okay that you have problems. It doesn't mean that you're not going to be liked or accepted by other people. And ultimately, you know, by being proud and, and being vulnerable and sharing, like Brene Brown says, shame can't live in silence. And so I, I went big. I'm kind of one of those all or nothing people like so many of us. And I said, well, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to write a blog post on my website, which had become pretty, pretty popular at that point. I had got in, uh, started my brand Sexy Fit Vegan when there were still not many brands out there. Now there's so many. And so it really got picked up by the media and I was on podcasts and Shape Magazine and Bodybuilding.com and um, so a lot of people reading my, my blogs, and I wrote a five-part blog series, kind of just spilling the beans on everything that I had hidden for so long. And I remember the moment that I had the little, you know, clicker on publish, and and I, I, I clicked it. And I remember that moment of just this big sense of relief. You know, there was, there was some anxiety about it, of course, but... But a huge weight got lifted when I did that and I started talking about it. Uh, and, and from there on, when I developed my coaching programs, I've, I've developed programs that help people do just that. And a huge piece of that is creating a safe space where people can share without, um, without the risk of receiving judgment and harsh words because even you know sometimes friends and family good meaning friends and family when somebody has an issue that they don't understand they can say things that are dismissive um 
I mean, I hid this from my family. I hid it from my friends. I was, I hid it from everybody, my, my eating issues. So it was quite, quite the relief, quite the weight off. And it, it turns, I, I call it like the beginning of a new chapter of my life. And I've had many of those, um, but that was a big one. That was a huge one. That really was because, you know, it's, it's different when you're in the limelight. It's different when everybody's looking at you going, wow, whatever she's doing, man, it's working. She must be doing the right stuff. And then here you go. You open the can of worms and say, well, let me tell you what I'm doing. And it's not necessarily the right stuff, but people relate with that. Because what people want overall is they want to be accepted. And they and being able to say, I'm not perfect. I don't excel at everything. Learning how to play golf has certainly taught me that without mm-hmm. without a shadow of a doubt. You know, but it's so much it's so funny because when I first started, I'm finishing up a PhD and I would kid my husband and say, Well, you know, I'm much strong. I'm much stronger academically and he would laugh because we, but we all, we don't want to have, be vulnerable. We don't want to be weak, but when we can be vulnerable, we can, we can experience life on such a different level. And I know you're a big, you do a lot of things that connect the mind and the body is you do different kinds of boxing. What is your what is your best mind-body connection? Yeah, for me, I, I really do like to, and this has shifted for me over the years. I was I did heavy weightlifting for a long time during my competitive years. Uh, and lately, especially after after my 40s and really also getting into meditation, for me, moving is, is a very natural way of being. So for me, a moving meditation is a lot easier than the seated meditation. So I really started with a moving meditation of uh, Muay Thai kickboxing. When I'm sparring, meaning when I'm one-on-one with somebody and we're exchanging punches, kicks, knees, and elbows, which is what Muay Thai is, the science of the eight limbs, uh, you really can't be anywhere else with your mind, right? I can't can't be thinking about what I'm going to eat for dinner or what I'm doing later. I'm going to get knocked out (laughs) so it's kind of this forced for an intense person like me this kind of this forced meditative state but it really it really does get me very easily into that flow state where there is nothing else there is no other time I am there now being present moving my body reacting to the uh, movement of the other person and it's quite it's quite the exchange of energy and it's really powerful and and I would say that that's my my favorite um form of martial arts and favorite form of meditation. So I have gotten more into the seated meditation. I do all sorts of different types of yoga, what I call mixed movement. I've gotten really into uh, learning about mobility and how to create more um, ways of moving our bodies that are going to keep us healthy for years and years to come. We're also hunched over our computers and our phones all the time. We're creating these imbalances in our body that are really hurting us. I mean, lower back pain is such a, it's a, it's a pandemic uh, because of the technology, I believe in, in large part. So creating a, a, a way of moving a shift from like, oh, I'm just going to exercise to burn calories, to lose weight. And what, what do I got to do to do that? And I'll go on these crash workout programs that are so intense. So I can meet these goals 
I've got to put that to the side and say, how can I move my body with intention? Just like I eat with intention to fuel and nourish my body. How can I move in ways that are going to fuel and nourish my body? Not only now, but for a long time to come. And all those things can come together and finding something that really resonates um, and allowing that to change as you grow and discover new things. I love to think about all of this as, as an adventure, as this, as this, how can I discover the things I didn't even know I didn't know, or I didn't know that was even out there? Um, there's so many of those. And when we turn it into that kind of place of adventure and discovery, um, a whole new world opens up. And it's it's pretty cool. Well, you know, just listening to you talk about it, I'm like, that sounds like fun. Yeah. I want to do that. And, and life-changing can be fun. It doesn't always, and people look at making change in their life as punishment, and it's not punishment. I think this ties into something that you said in the very beginning. You get the opportunity to get up every day. Exactly. We get the opportunity to get up another day and and discover. Like that's, for me, that's the big thing is those, those blind spots. And the more you start to uncover blind spots and the world starts opening up and the more you know the one thing that, that really has been the case this year is the more I learn and the more I discover the more I realize I don't know which makes me want to learn and discover even more and that's pretty exciting that's very exciting you know the fastest age growing population right now is 100 and above mm-hmm. and that's not a surprise. I mean, the baby boomers was a huge population. But for those that are, let's say, getting into their 80s, oh, is it too late to do a huge turnaround? Oh, never. 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 Never too late. Um, and it all, it all starts with internal. And when we work internally, we start to shape our external as well. And I, I've, I've learned a lot about that this year. I actually went um, on an ayahuasca retreat in, in the jungles of Peru, talk about discoveries. And there was um, a couple older uh, participants there who were, I just thought that they were so courageous and so, so brave to try something so different, so radically different. Um, and of course, we don't need to... I'll go to the Amazon in Peru to, to discover these things. We're such in this amazing space where we have access to knowledge, to uh, experts, we, to courses, to classes, to all these, even retreats online that we can, um, we don't necessarily have to even leave our own homes to start to discover some of these things. So I think that's, um, you know, one real big benefit to the technology that we have. Oh, I, I totally agree. I have found some of the best yoga on YouTube. So yeah. a lot of times when I'm traveling, I'll just get my computer out and, and pull up YouTube. And I have found some of the best vinyasas. Just, uh, I'm always amazed because I, I do like to go to the gym. I like, that's just how I get my head in the right spot. Cause I know mm-hmm. as soon as I get there, I know exactly what I'm going to do and, and I'm ready when I get there. But I have found that, you know, I don't have to leave I, in the privacy of my own home or in the privacy of my own room. I can go a lot of different places. 
What do you think about virtual reality? Do you uh, see that have of, a play? Well, do you see that having a play in in terms of training? Yeah, I I've only tried it out a few times, um, but I did a they had a boxing uh, virtual reality game, and I think for people that are not for me, it wasn't for me. I I really like being outside. That's why I live in Miami Beach um, because I can go out pretty much year round and spend time in nature on the beach. Uh, you know, just the warmth. I'm not a cold person. I, I really like being warm. Um, so getting out in nature to me is is really important. Um, but I think to give people that maybe don't have other opportunities a chance to see see what it's like in different places to sure uh, you know gamers and people that enjoy that kind of thing I think there's definitely a place for it uh, not for me personally but but for others absolutely well let's talk about 22 reboot because that's something you mentioned earlier you you mentioned a daily video so is this something that people can do individually in their own home? It is. It feels like my baby, 22 Reboot, because I I really put a lot into it and wanted to make it accessible to everybody around the globe. So it's it's not a big investment. It's a very small investment, but it's very powerful program, very structured, really helping people disrupt harmful habits and patterns and develop new new healthy ones around the four components of nutrition, movement, mindfulness, and sleep. Uh, and so I actually give everybody a um, 10 minute mobility routine that you get to do every single day. I recommend in the morning for most people, um, but it can be done at any time. You've got a 10 minute breathing and meditation that you get to do as well. Uh, we have a commitment of an hour of movement a day that is included with the mobility routine. So another 50 minutes of movement that can be walking, that could be uh, lifting weights, it can be any type of movement, but just moving with intention. Uh, and then detoxing, like we were talking about, from some of those uh, addictive trigger foods like sugar and animal products and uh, processed oils and processed snacks and chips and that sort of stuff. Um, and then making a commitment to put to make sleep a priority. To Most people need that seven plus hours of sleep, seven to nine hours of sleep. And the hygiene that comes around that. So I make sure people understand what sleep hygiene is and what those options are. And then you get a daily journal. So you get to journal about how your food is making you feel. It's not about writing down exactly how many calories or macros. It's about saying, here, I had this for breakfast and I had so much energy for four hours afterwards. It was phenomenal. Or I ate and I, an hour later I was hungry, yet I was in a meeting. So kind of really Becoming aware um, is part of this process, is, is gaining that awareness, starting to understand yourself, your body, starting to build that connection so that you can make conscious and mindful choices moving forward and start to build those habits. And we just do it in a really structured way where you get an email every day um, so that you're reminded to keep keep up with it. And uh, it's, it's proving to be a really powerful process for a lot of people. Well, would you say that people have to be in the right headspace to do the program? Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, headspace meaning I'm just ready right to, to make a set change. of mind. 
you know, that, yeah. and, and not necessarily because I'm a big believer in believing in yourself. And if, if I believe I can do something, I'm going to give it my best. And not that I always do it perfectly, but I'm going to give it my best. And, yeah. you know, but part of that is in my, in my head, I'm telling mm-hmm. myself, okay, you're going to do this, you know, and, and processing it, thinking about it. Is this something that's important to you? Yes, it is. Why is it important to you? How does that relate to your values? And because, yeah. I mean, I have great little chit chat going on <laughs> with myself. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Well, I recommend that people go to 22reboot.com and I have a welcome video, kind of an introductory video on there. And it'll kind of give you an idea of, of what it takes to complete this program. You also have an opportunity to book a, a coaching call with me. We call it an execution call. So I actually get on the phone and help people prepare themselves to be successful uh, in this program. Uh, it's a very small investment, but uh, the way it's structured is that I really help you walk through that mindset piece that's setting yourself up for success. Uh, I've done, been doing this a really long time, so I, I understand people coming into something feeling excited and then dropping off. And so the daily videos really help keep that motivation going uh, for those 22 days. What's the hardest, what's the hardest part? Is it getting started or is it letting go? Mm, That's a good question. I think that depends on, on the person, but they always, people talk about, you know, the most, the toughest piece of equipment at the gym is the front door, right? It's like getting, getting through that front door is for a lot of people, the the toughest part. It's making that commitment. But I think you you made a really good point too, Lee, is that it doesn't mean you have to do it perfectly. You know, doing it is better than not doing it and doing your best. And and like we just have talked about a lot today, approaching yourself with curiosity and compassion. And if you miss a day, you you say, hey, what was that about? You know, not not what's wrong with you. You're terrible. Just quit the whole thing now because you can't even do this right. You know, that that negative self-talk that's so easy to get caught in to be able to say. And it's part of part of the structure of the program is is learning how to say, ah. I had an off day that stinks, but you know what? Today's a new day and I'm going to, I'm going to pick it back up and let's, let's do this. And being able to embrace it. It's funny because when, during the pandemic, I didn't do anything but walk because, well, the gyms were closed and that was all Mm -hmm. I could do, but I got to know all the walkers in the neighborhood and I still walk every day because I have two puppies and they have to go out in the morning and the evening. And there's an elder couple and they walk every day. And I saw him the other day and it was just the guy. And I said, hey, where's your better half? Because I've, you know, I've never seen, you always see them together. And of course, there was some concern in my head. And he looked at me. He said, let me tell you something. I thought, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I don't know if I want to hear this. Uh-huh. He said, she's got a real bad case. And he kind of paused. And he said, of laziness. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> oh. And then he started just cracking up, laughing. And I thought, that really surprised me. Because they're mm. so regimented in that walk. And mm. they're so, you know, they, that walk is the same walk every single day. That is too structured for me. You know, one yeah. day B gets to pick. He's one dog. The next day Barnaby gets to pick. I don't care. That's just, <laughs> you got 20 minutes. Go where you want to go. But, you know, to me, that showed, I thought, you know, wow, he really does accept where where she is 
and he accepts where he is. And that's one thing I have found working with people at the Brain Performance Center. Acceptance, accepting ourselves for what we are, not what we want to be, but accepting ourselves for what we are and loving ourselves for what we are. That's the first step. That doesn't mean that you don't want to move forward. That doesn't mean that I don't want to do better. I want to do better at just about everything I do. But I'm happy with where I am and most things that I do do. And that's a message I think if everybody can hear is it starts with acceptance and it starts with loving yourself. Because if you don't love yourself, is anybody else going to love you? Exactly. No, that's such a great point. I always talk about um, acceptance as the prerequisite for change. And, and not, and if I accept it, that means I'm not going to be able to change. It doesn't work like that. You're exactly, exactly right. And that's been a foundation for, for how I work with clients and it works. Well, I'm sure you've had some difficult clients. We all have. <laughs> Is there any one story that just sticks out in your mind that that you can now look back and laugh at? Well, sometimes I know when I getting somebody started in, in a coaching program, um, the hands-on one, there, there are people that come in with those preconceived notions of what it should look like. And, you know, they, they are not open to... Um, trusting the process that that's not in their minds the right process um so i i don't know if i have a specific uh specific client in mind but it's of course it's happened and well i know sometimes it. I just, does, yeah sometimes it's yeah. a thing to just say well you know what you're, you're not ready and that's okay um it is okay you know we yeah. we have a couple minutes left and i want to be sure that people know how to find you online because i i know you have a website correct Correct, ellamajors.com. Okay. Um, you can find everything from there. 22reboot.com is where you go to, to check out that 22 Reboot program, learn more about that, and get started. Uh, also on Facebook and Instagram, sexyfitvegan. Sexyfitvegan.com is, is my other website as well. Okay, great. And just to be sure, Ella Majors is E L L A M A G E R S. Correct. That is right. Yeah, because, you know, here in America, major is M-A-G-A-O-R. Right. I always forget about that. Thank you for reminding me. You're so welcome. I mean, it's been, you've, you know, you you said earlier you're 42 years old, and it started when you were seven years old. So that's that's a life journey. And it's something that it sounds like you've enjoyed every minute of. You still remain just as passionate as ever about it. And that's something I encourage all of our listeners to tune into yourself, you know, be aware what makes you happy. And when you find that, stay with it. Don't walk away from it because it's too hard or don't walk away from it because it's hard not to stay with it. And you were, Ella, you were just such a great guest today and you've, you've given me inspiration I am definitely going to put a little mindful eating in the way I chew. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. So thanks again for being with me. Listeners, don't forget to check out 22, that's 22reboot.com.
Richardson and the Brain Performance Center. We want to thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this, visit us on iTunes, Google Play, TogiNet, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and thebrainperformancecenter.com.